It's time now for The Road. We as believers should desire when we stumble, when we fall, when we sin. I'm going to say that word sin. That we go, Lord, boy, I just fell short of what you desire for me. It's good to go to the Lord and say, okay, I'm agreeing with you. What I did was wrong. Would you please forgive me? Welcome to another edition of The Road. It's our vision to make wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ and to see you grow in the grace and knowledge of His love. If you're in the area, we meet at Chapel Hills Church, located at 2025 Parliament Drive, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80920. You can go to our website at theroad.org for service times. That's theroad.org. All of you, I think most of you at least, know Victor. Victor and Eileen have been close friends of the Holtz for many, many years. And back many years ago, we knew each other. We had the privilege of watching Victor go through a seeking of the Lord about what God was calling him to do for the rest of his life. He was already a part of Focus in the Family. He had run and developed and pioneered a different kind of karate dojo out of Hawaii using uh, this Louisiana Cajun gumbo kind of karate that they did. And um, I think they threw sausage and shrimp on people, and that kind of made them run away. And uh, it was very, very effective, especially if it was like boiling hot. But no, he started a different kind of karate. He's a seventh-degree black belt and has been used by the Lord to travel around the country and now more and more internationally with kind of two things as I see it, Victor. I see one being with incarcerated youth and reaching those kids that are, that are in prison and uh, bringing healing to them. But then because of his own story of brokenness and the need for healing through the kind of stuff that he went through, he's not going to talk a ton about that, but the abuse he went through as a kid, he had scars and he had dark places in his, his heart. And as he's grown and seen victory in that, he's moved increasingly into that rim of helping those that carry those kind of shocking scars of their heart to be set free. And so it's kind of a, it's a message that has both to those young people in in prison, but also to many of us here where you've been through stuff in your past and you've never dealt with it and you've never been healed of it. And God's using Victor in a mighty way, especially as it relates to spiritual warfare and the demonic that builds strongholds in those areas of shame and brokenness in our lives. So Victor, come on up, bro. I'm glad you're here. And we're going to pray for you, bro. So Father, in the name and the blood of Jesus, I thank you for my brother. I thank you for who he is. I thank you for the man that he is. And I thank you for the choices that he's made to be in the arena And sometimes it's really, really tough. And I pray, Lord, that Victor would be anointed by your spirit tonight. That he would be filled with joy as he speaks. Thank you, Lord, for him in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay. Is this a 30-minute or 40-minute message? I don't know. What is it? 15. 15. Okay, we better hurry. So there was a boat and a lot of rain and animals went on it and then fast forward and 
and here we are. It's great to be here. Thank you, Pastor uh, Steve. Great to be, not only have a friend, but be able to call him Pastor. That feels good. And uh, yeah, we've been through thick and thin. You think your life's crazy? Try being in ministry. You better be called. That's all I'm going to say. And if you're called, then you can endure. Book of Joel. It's in the Old Testament. If you have a Bible like mine, it's, that's where you kind of divide it. Like uh, page 1037 in my Bible. I'm just being real. You know, as a new Christian, they, the pastor, you know, call out the thing, and I didn't know where the books were. So I would, everybody's turning there real handily. <laughs> Can anybody relate? And, and I'd be like this. I've been doing that fan. <laughs> I mean, there's a couple times I was like, uh, ain't, they didn't put the book in. The, this must have been a discount Bible because it ain't in here. What are you looking at? I'm telling you. Very nice Christians would be like, this, it's a small one. It's only three chapters. Oh. And then I got where I would just look in the front. I go right to the front. And then I would be racing other people. But, you know, my pride would get to me, so if I couldn't find it in time, I would just hold the Bible real close to me. What are you looking at? Don't cheat. This is, I don't know where I would be. So, Joel, you know, he's the, known as the prophet of revival. And uh, little, little is known about him, just for backdrop. Uh, but he, he ministered to the southern kingdom of Judah, and his entire personal history can be stated in a single verse, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of his papa. Joel's been called the prophet of religious revival. His unwavering message to the people of Judah, repentance must precede revival. Boy, that's not popular. Repentance, you know what that means? Changing the mind. Some people say, you're going one way, you kind of turn the other. You know, follow the Lord. Can I just be honest with y'all? Because I, I lie a lot. But tonight, I, I want to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to be honest. I'm joking. That's a joke. <laughs> you know, some of you are like, wow, he's preaching? I spoke in Las Vegas last weekend for an incredible church, and the pastor said, for those of you who don't know Victor Marks, good friend, uh, but I advise you to put your seatbelt on. Seriously, put your seatbelt on. We don't know what he's going to say. And it actually turned out right because the Lord came up and did a great thing. Repentance. We as believers should desire when we stumble, when we fall, when we sin. I'm going to say that word sin. That we go, Lord, boy, I just fell short of what you desire for me. And so often time when we go against God's Kind of, let's just say the Big Ten, just to make it easy. Uh, you know, you, it doesn't really turn out good, does it? You kind of feel bad. It's good to go to the Lord and say, okay, I'm agreeing with you. What I did was wrong. Would you please forgive me? You ever wait for something? And that's it. Just by faith you ask him. Because the Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And some of you sit here tonight, and quite honestly, you may know the Lord, and some of you may not, and you need
need to be forgiven. You personally need to feel, okay, I'm forgiven. And some of you name the name of the Lord, and yet you still live in some form of condemnation because of bad things that happened in the past that were your choice. And you just, you won't let it go. You know, we've spent so much time loving on these kids who are incarcerated around the United States, top three to five percent chronic violent offenders. You know, we've been in, I think, over 900 facilities, either me speaking or books or whatever. I go to the ones, the hard kids, you know what I'm talking about? Because God loves them so much. But one of the main questions they say is, how do I forgive myself? That's a real question. When the 14-year-old girl had a baby, it wasn't hers. She said, that ain't my baby, that's my brother's. Ended the baby's life and has lived with that. A girl stabbed a woman 37 times. She goes, I don't even remember. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on, but they always want, how do, you, how do I forgive myself? And my wife has given the best definition of self-forgiveness. She just, and, and, cause I needed it. Cause I'd done some pretty bad things in my life. That, you know, those are the kind you just keep between you and the Lord. And she said, honey, the only way you can forgive yourself is really just to agree with Jesus that what he did on the cross is good enough. I said, wow, that's pretty freeing. So I don't have to try to forgive myself. Me, I forgive you. How do, how do I forgive me? It's me, unless I'm bipolar. Hey, you? okay, I forgive you, or whatever. <laughs> if I agree with the Lord that what he did on the cross was enough, then that's good enough. And by faith, you just, you just move on. Because the cross is good enough for all of our sins or none at all. You can't pick and choose. You can't say, well, you know, I, and he, he can never forgive me. It's good enough for all of us or none at all. And don't let the devil tell you anything else. Because he will. He's the one that comes and whispers. Yeah, but you remember. You want him to step out and do something for the Lord. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Being part, of, being part of used by God for the great harvest that he has for us now. But the enemy comes and whispers, don't you, because you remember you, and he uses names, doesn't he? Hey, how do you know if it's the demonic realm speaking to you? I don't know. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, oh. I'm sorry if some of you can't understand me. I'm sorry, I'm Cajun. Because some of you are sitting going, I don't, I don't know what he, I'm kidding, it's about every fourth word. You know, it's bad when your wife tells you after an event driving home, I couldn't understand you, honey. She's like, you need to enunciate a little more. Don't get so relaxed. So, sorry, I apologize. <laughs> but being forgiven, how do you know what you hear? Is it demonic or is it you? Or is it God? You need to know how to distinguish those three things. We're talking about repentance, forgiveness, but man, what you hear in your mind, because that's where we live most of the time, right? Right? So if it's contrary to God's word, it ain't God. If it's condemning in any way, it's not God. Because the Bible says, what does it say? Something about condemning. What is it? 
That's a scripture. Thank you, John. (laughs) There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? I mean, that's awesome. No condemnation. So if you're feeling condemned, that ain't the Lord. If it's you, you know how you find out if it's you? If you just go, do I like feeling this way? No. That ain't you. Because we love ourselves pretty good. If we're honest. Come on. Selfies tell the truth. When somebody shows you a picture, puts your name on it, you look for yourself first if it's a group picture. (laughs) That's why he tells us in his word, love others like you love yourself. If this is demonic, you got to take every thought captive. Hey, do y'all hear me? Take the thought captive. Teenagers? Any teenagers in here? Any youngins? Kids? Where are y'all? School age. Let's just say school age. Okay, let's just say you're still taking your parents' money. Raise your hand, age. There we go. All right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. A lot of times you, you come to church and you feel like it's over your head or, you know, what can I do? Stop. This is for you. You need to be equipped for these last days, end times, harvest. We need you. We need y'all. Do you understand? Don't say, well, when I, that's crazy. That's a lie from the enemy. And kids hear it. And parents, you need to teach your kids how to war spiritually. Why in the, oh my goodness. It's like when we teach them physically in self-defense, parents are, you know, oh, little Johnny's being picked on. Johnny's like this. You hear the story, well, at school, there's a bully, keeps picking on them, and, you know, on and on, and the kids, school grades are diminishing, and he wants to get taken out of school, it's all weird. I'm all, so you're bringing them here to me to help them? See, I said, are you scared of the bully? Yeah. You want to get unscared? Yeah. All right, next time he messes with you, tries to hit you, just make a fist like this, and then hit him in his nose as hard as you can. Just, you're not going to win. He's going to beat you. But hit him as hard as you can and enjoy the moment. Just seriously. Because you're going to be a little hero afterwards for stepping up. Parents are like this. Oh, sweet Jesus. We, we're raising our kid to be, we want a good kid. I'm like, hitting a bad person doesn't make him bad. Maybe he's just defending himself. Oh. I'm telling you, it's like when people talk about men, you know, you know, and the church has done a horrible job of, of turning out some good, solid men. In my opinion, the church in general around, I've seen it. I've, man, I've taught at Bible colleges. I'm like, whoa, is this the next generation we got coming up? We're in trouble. Seriously. And uh, who can use the Bible to justify everything weird? Instead, I like people who use the Bible to justify making sacrifice, enduring suffering, advancing the kingdom. That's, that's the word of God. Not about, well, let me. And... But I tell people, I don't want to be known as a good man. I want to be known as a man. I, I just want to be known as doing good as a man. Does that make sense? So wives, don't make your man... Don't tame, don't tame him. Let him be. Let him off the chain for cornflakes. Well, you know, come on, let him run. 
You don't have to agree with everything, and if he messes up, it's on him and the Lord. My wife has done more for seeing me conform to the image of Christ by letting me go versus trying to hang on and, honey. She's like, God bless you. We got life insurance, Skip. <laughs> you think I'm joking? She's all, okay. We're good. Praying for you. See ya. I'm going to head off to Burma. So, <laughs> you guys, it's exciting the days that we live in. But I would say one of the things, well, let's read more of the scripture and I'll tell you. Joel chapter 2, verse 600. Wait, there's not a 600. It's chapter 2, I know that much. Verse 29. Is there a 29? All right, there's a 29. Uh, I believe the word of God is infallible. I believe when we read it, if we live it, if we take it in, that it not only change our lives, it affects people around us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Kind of like we're a little uh, campfire, our lives. And the Word of God's like jet fuel. <laughs> it's good to get the jet fuel on you. Joel. <laughs> hey, don't underestimate low IQ, y'all. We come up with some good little sayings. Joel chapter 2, verse 29. And also, it's actually God speaking here. And also on my man servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Verse 30. And also wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire, the pillars of smoke. Verse 31. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Verse 32. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Chapter 3, verse 1, last one we're reading. For behold, in those days and at that time, uh, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem. Thank you, Lord, for your word. God is telling us right here, we're talking about Joel and he's a prophet and repentance was his message. God's telling us this first. In the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on men servants and maid servants. The scripture right before that, he's talking about, you know, he'll pour out his spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your old men, um, your old men shall have dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And then he talks about men servants and maid servants. The Lord, I think, put that verse in there to make sure everybody knew. It doesn't matter what class you are in. Economically, educationally, culturally, race, it doesn't matter. My background, I'm from Louisiana. Anybody else from Louisiana? God bless y'all. <laughs> Let's give thanks to the Lord. I escaped. You know, I, I was raised down by the swamps or bayous. I mean, my mama spoke French before she did English, so I know, I know French well, being cussed at. No, you know, we lived in trailers. Sometimes I'd fish for our food at times. There were times we lived poor. Sometimes we had money. And, and you know what? I love the fact that God's just saying, it don't matter where you're from. It don't matter your background, 
whether you got or you don't got, I'm going to pour out my spirit on everyone, anyone who's willing. And hey, I'm looking at some of y'all, you need God's spirit to be poured out on you. I do. Can I just be honest? I mean, I know when I try to run in my flesh and do my deal, how I many of you know that doesn't work out so good? All the good intentions and all the motivation you want. <laughs> Dink. Lord, I agree with you that uh, that was sin, and I'm sorry. I've, I've got at least a relationship with God where I know as a heavenly father, he ain't waiting to crack me with a big hammer. Mess up. Mess up. Oh, he's, he's like, come on. Come on, head toward the finish line, Victor. Run, run. You, you can do this. Boom, boom, I stumble. Hey, son, it's okay. Get up. Come on, get up, get up. Don't, turn, don't look. Don't look behind you. Get, run, run. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's, come on. Do you understand? If you start trying to outrun sin and focus on sin, instead of being filled with God's spirit, trusting his word, and moving forward, man, you're going to waste a lot of time and energy. Does that make sense? So, are there times in your life where you just go, Lord, will you forgive me? Will you just forgive me? You don't know how many Christians I talk to that genuinely don't repent. I, I'm like, man, we need to learn something from the Catholics. <laughs> Put a little charismatic Protestant Baptist booth. I'll let you come next to them. What's up? I sin. What is it? Whoa, that is, that'd be me. Oh, oh that, was, that was horrible. <laughs> what else you got? No, I think it's just that kind of that act of, of course, we don't need a mediator between us and God, though Jesus is he. But some Christians really need to just ask the Lord to forgive them. You know, what worries me about churches is the respectable sins. Gossip, backbiting, stuff like that. Ugh. And how they know how to use the scriptures to, well, we're just praying for Sister Mary. Lord, help her. You with me? What about integrity? What, you know? And then <laughs> holy hugs. <laughs> Easy does it. I, I, was, I was at one church, and this guy would always look at my wife a little too long. <laughs> and I'm slow, but, but I'm slow. So consistently, <laughs> got that going for me. And I, I told him, I said, that dude, mm-mm, I got, you know, mm-mm. She's all, honey, he's just, he hugs on everybody's. I said, yeah. So I said, watch, watch when we go in. We went in church service, and sure enough, he was visiting somebody, and he, I mean, he's like, his radar came up. He's like, yeah. and then he made a beeline. I said, oh, here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. And uh, <laughs> uh, he went to give her a big hug and a step right in front. <laughs> somebody needs a hug. <laughs> I mean... Took him a second to regroup, recalibrate. But then, you know, I, I knew he was stuck, and so I wanted to help him out. So 
I saw him later. I said, hey, I want to talk to you about something. And anyway, we're visiting. I said, uh, I see the way you look at my wife. I don't think it's God honoring. It's certainly not honoring to my wife. And he goes, what do you mean, man? Oh, come on. <laughs> and I said, we're not talking religion. We're just talking to men. <laughs> That's my wife. You need, you need to curb your eyeballs. He's all, hey, because he was in ministry. Because, you know, ministers never do anything weird. Right. And he said, well, blah, 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 blah. I said, okay, hey, I'm not going to argue, and I don't think I'm that dumb. Uh, so I'll tell you what, next time I see you gazing at my wife, I don't care where we are, church, parking lot, picnic, I'm going to punch you right in your nose. <laughs> and I'm going to bloody you, man. I'm going to, he goes, you're serious? I go, yeah, I am. Sure, I'd do that for my wife. I oh, didn't look at her like that again. <laughs> Within the year, he resigned his position from ministry. He was in an adulterous relationship. Repent. If you stumble, I get it. But man, God's made us more for than living in a trench of sin as believers. We hurt the witness and we hurt the harvest. God will pour his spirit out on anybody. And he wants to show wonders in heaven and on earth. Wonders. That's one of the things that attracted me to Christianity is like the whole miracle thing. Did that do anything for y'all? Miracles, supernatural. Does anybody like supernatural stuff? I do. I don't like, I mean, I don't like crazy, weird, although sometimes I can get weird. But I like genuine things that God does that man can't explain and he gets the glory. Does that make sense? So, I just, and I don't look for them, but when they happen, I celebrate them. Does that make sense? And I can tell you a bunch of funny, fun, crazy things. But I was praying for a person recently, and he's a non-believer, and he said, Victor, I've never, he didn't, he's like, I, I've never seen any, like, supernatural thing of God or whatever. And he said there was one incident that happened in his life through a dream. It was unexplainable. But he said, never, and this guy was a high intellect, a high-ranking military guy, so he's real. I said, well, okay, it's God business if he wants to do anything supernatural. But I do know God does things. <laughs> you know, sometimes we can't explain. So I said, you want me to pray for you? He goes, yes, I do. So we started praying. It was, uh, it was very cold outside. And we were sitting outside. As we were praying, his body got completely warm where he goes, uh, what's happening? My heat is elevated. Uh, no, his body, he said, the heat is, it's elevated. It's, he goes, this, he's trying to explain it away. I go, I don't know. Maybe you're hot. You got fever? He goes, no, no, this is, you could feel the wind blowing. It was cold. He goes, why is my body hot? Why am I, <laughs> maybe God just wants to show you, he can reverse the elements on you. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And then I was on a taxi ride coming home from the airport, and the taxi driver started telling me how messed up his life was. I was like, wow, your life really is jacked up, man. I'm not going to lie. You're depressing me. I just want to get home. And I felt like the Lord said, Ugh. which is that, that in itself is supernatural. If you feel like you can hear the Holy Spirit sometime, it's God Almighty talking to us human beings. 
That's kind of cool. I thought it was. And I've heard enough things that I responded on them, and really good things happened. So I'm like, all right, I'll do whatever. I said, hey, man, you sound like you got demonic activity in your life. If I could prove to you that there were demons assigned to you, would you want to know? <laughs> He's like, I said, do you believe in evil? He goes, yeah. I said, well, you know, evil's out to destroy humanity. It's good versus evil. It's a dying world. Uh, I don't know. God just showed me how to pull back the veil. And, and he goes, Yeah. Because he's just gone through divorce. It's all bad. I said, I right, pull over. I said, I'm going to pray. I said, <laughs> I, said I'm a, I, I talk to God. I command demons to answer certain questions. I said, but they'll answer to your mind. So I'm going to uh, ask some questions. They'll answer. You'll hear it in your mind. Are you okay with that? He goes, uh, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. No, fine. He's like, I got this. So I said, okay. We start praying. I go, uh, command you demon in the name of Jesus Christ for your sign this guy I command you to tell him by what name you go by and the guy goes oh my gosh and he said a bunch of explicits in a row like potty words which was really great I was laughing he goes what the heck was that I just heard this name like I said spell it spell it he goes I've never heard that name in my life I said the demon had to answer me. I told him to tell you the answer because he's the one assigned to you. Is this too weird? He goes, okay, wait a minute. Okay, wait a minute. Because inter- he was studying psychology. So he's like, ah. I said, I said, we can stop right now, man. It's not a big deal. I can get home. He's like, okay, no, let's go a little bit more. <laughs> I said, all right, uh, demon, uh, I hold your subject when you got assigned to him. The guy goes, 13. Holy smackerel. And he starts, I just heard this. I said, dude, if this is too much, we can just stop. It's not that big of a deal. And he regrouped and said, I want to know all of it. By the time we finished praying, which is really only about 15 minutes, he goes, this explains a lot. And let me tell you, he had some weirdness assigned to him. And I mean, all the way back to the old country. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it was wow. And... You know, we're getting ready. I said, said, well, do you know Jesus Christ personally? He goes, no. I said, well, he's the one that just delivered you from the demons that were assigned to you, you know, tormenting you and your thoughts and all that for us. Tom, I said, do you want to give your life to him? He goes, that'd be a very good idea. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) Pray with them. (laughs) Brought me home. Then I had to tip him because the whole Christian thing. <laughs> he goes, I'm not quite sure what all just transpired, but wow, man, I feel different. I said, you have a Bible at home? He goes, yeah. I said, go learn about Jesus. Just start reading it, man. Just start reading about Jesus and see what happens. What? Jesus said this in the book of Matthew chapter Nine. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there real quick. It's the first book in the New Testament, which looks like this. If you're, if you're needing a 
Arrange me, Maureen. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Let me read this. Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Right? Kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of light. That's pretty much what it boils down to. We're involved in it. And the multitude marveled, saying, no, <laughs> let, me, let me get back down on my scripture. Verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, what verse did we start in? Oh, in the kingdom. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, I've got a friend here. He's on the RDT team. This guy has outstanding career. I mean, outstanding, <laughs> unbelievable. But he believes in healing, like supernatural healing. So don't argue with him because he, he actually believes this stuff. And he was healed of leukemia. You're not going to change his mind. It's funny the people that I know that were in positions of no opportunity or return from modern medicine to heal them, they actually just started believing the word in the scripture. They go, I had no other choice. And God healed them. And yet we, we were like, really? It's not the power of positive thinking. It's the power of God's word. Why everybody doesn't get healed? I don't know. Some people get healed permanently. I trust God with all that. But I think he just wants us to believe and pray for people like they get healed. Have you ever been sick or had something where somebody prayed? Like, man, you're like, you, something's not right. And you're like, I really need prayer. Man, I'm sick enough to go the Benny Hinn deal, right? Or something, whatever. You're like, don't you want somebody who really believes it to pray for you? Versus, oh yeah, let me pray for your Lord. Just, okay. Amen. Like, what what was that? Like a drive-through prayer? There There was no faith in that one, man. But I like the next part too. It says, verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary, scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. If you want to see a harvest of souls in these last days that God promises he'll pour out his spirit on you to empower you to see people come to faith, you got to have a heart for the lost, my friend. You have to, you have, to have the Lord's heart to be moved enough to go, God, okay. Because God, he needs you and me to do the work. Yes, he's saving Muslims by dreams and visions and all that. But, I mean, God wants, he wants to use you so you can actually see him do things. Raise your hand if you've never personally led someone to Christ. Raise your hand. Be honest. Please, raise your hand. Never. Okay, raise your hand if you've seen people come to Christ as a result of something you've done, prayed, invite, whatever. Does that motivate you? Yes. Yeah. It shouldn't be like, yeah, back in 1972. <laughs> to me, a win is a win is a win is a win that keeps motivating me to go more and more and see the Lord do the battle. The first guy I ever saw come to Christ, I was in the Marine Corps. I was just newly saved. I didn't know nothing, but I had a track. I knew Jesus was real because he touched me. And we're on duty, Marines, on duty at night. And I'm like, 
I felt like the Holy Spirit said, give him the track. Because that's how the Holy Spirit talks. Mm. So I said, here, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit told me, I just went, hey, man, you ought to read this. Walked away. That's it. It was kind of like, boom. And we were in a confined area. So I was like, and I saw him open it. And it was one of the big panels about end times, right? And I mean, it's a big one. He's going through it and going through it, going through it and flipped it over, keeps going. And at the end, he folded it up and I saw him like that. And he comes and he gives it back to me. I was so nervous. I didn't know what to say. So I was like, uh, you gonna make it? He goes, I don't know. And I was like, I don't know what to say now. So I said, do you, do you wanna know? For sure? He goes, yeah. I said, oh. And then he was looking at me like, what? I was like, oh, holy cornflakes. I don't, I wasn't prepared for this. I was prepared you just kind of cuss me out or something. So I was like, well, you, you got to pray. He goes, all right. And I was like, let's open this thing up again. So we read it. I was like, I want to make sure. And then we got to the prayer and it said, kneel and pray. So I said, we have to kneel down and pray. He goes, all right. So we both kneel down. I said, you got to say these words. <laughs> he said, like, well, I said, no, you got to say them out loud. Start right there. He's like, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And he reads the prayer. And then, uh, you know, he finishes praying. And I say, okay, I think I'm supposed to pray for you too. Lord, help him. Amen. Because I have to seal it, you know, seal the deal, something like that. Like, and uh, he, he looked right at me, and he stood up real fast, like awkward. He goes, I feel different. And I was like, that's it. You got it. That's it. That's Shazam. You're the, you're the, you're the reborning thing. That's God. That's good, man. Good Marine. Yeah, right on. Do you know what? I saw that Marine's life change. And you know what that did for me? Create a greater hunger and thirst to tell other people. All we are is mailmen delivering, mail people delivering the mail, letting them open it. It's between them and God. But God wants you to be part of the harvest that he's pouring his spirit on. And so many of you, and I've got there before as a Christian, you get depressed because it's so dark in this world at times. Say amen. It's like, oh, it's too much darkness. You know what I think? Well, that makes it easy. The darker it is, the easier it is to be light. You don't even have to be a good light. <laughs> Serious, right? Forget about being super, you know, Q-beam. <laughs> with the bat signal. Just let the Lord use you. I carry a little tack light. Look how the little thing is, right? Just a little light. Ain't much. But it works. And then, you know, some people get all really Holy Spirit out and, you know, it's, man, everywhere you go, crazy things are happening and the Lord's doing stuff and just yielding to them. It's easy to be light in a dark world. Like the Marine Corps, famous fellow said, Chesty Puller, when they were surrounded, I think I told you this before, this is one of my favorites. It was in Korea. It's on. It's on. They're completely surrounded. One of his, <laughs> one of his officers came up to him, a young guy and said, we're completely surrounded by the enemy. They're, they're on all sides. I mean, Chester was like, 
Well, then they made our job easy, didn't they, son? Well, you can shoot in any direction and hit them. <laughs> That's how I think it is for Christianity in our last days. Jesus in verse 37 said this, and we're getting ready to close. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. My goodness. I want to name this message Easy Pickings, the southern vernacular for it's a good harvest. And really, honestly, there's not a lot of work that has to be involved. You trying to make something happen, the Lord will give you opportunity. Then all you have to do is obey. And it's really fun. Yes, there are times people will reject you, but it's okay. Being Christians, you need to suffer sometime for his namesake, or else you're kind of, you may be a little bit too much in there with him, right? And I'm not saying being an oddball for him, because your own weirdness, just hear the Lord. Hear his spirit. He pours out his spirit, saying his word. When he asks you to do something, just do it. If you're all fearful, then get prayed for. This fear would be broken and that you would have love for the lost. Love. Because when you have love, then you're willing to do what the Lord did, right? You can build up your courage, though, practically. Start with a little track. Go through a drive-thru. Order your food and then say, here, this really means a lot. <laughs> Speed off. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> And then give it to customer relations people when you're buying stuff. Do your deal and just go, hey, this, this really, you ought to read this on your break. Oh, thank you. They're not going to go. They won't. I've done it. I've had, I had one guy pull a knife on me one time. That was different. You know, that was a different deal. He's like, yeah, what about love? And he pulls out this blade. It's out on a beach. And I was just out the Marine Corps. And I didn't really understand that movie with Nikki Cruz yet, where Wilkerson said, if you cut me up in a thousand pieces, every piece will say I love you. I was like, God's love. I wasn't quite there yet. I was like, mm-hmm. you're going to get your feelings hurt. You don't put that knife away, boy. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> the Lord will give you great opportunity. Some of the hardest harvest you'll ever that can be really trying as your own family. Say amen, somebody. Amen. And you know what? All I can tell you is just be a light. Don't try to convert anybody. Just be a light. No matter what's going on, love them. Just be a light. But when God puts something on your heart, be part of bringing the harvest in. And some of you not, may not be a, a big harvester, but you can be a sender. And you can be... You can pray for people. Does that make sense? That really, really need prayer who are going after souls because specifically God has called them to that on a large scale. But I hope that message has encouraged you because it's the Word of God. And I hope it challenges some of you. And if you're here and you don't know the Lord, I hope you get saved. I hope you surrender your life to Christ. My question would be, what are you waiting on? You've been listening to The Road. We pray that you've been blessed by the message today. 
Our hope is to make wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's why we teach the Word of God verse by verse, scripture by scripture, and precepts upon precept. We're excited about all the things God is doing in the lives of our faithful listeners. We understand that there are many trials and tribulations in this world, and we'd love to be able to pray for you as you encounter difficult times. Please drop us a note and let us know how we can pray for you. Write us at The Road, P.O. Box 88485, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80908. If you've been blessed by this message, please let us know as well. Again, the address is The Road, P.O. Box 88485, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80908. If you're in the area, please stop on by and join us at The Road. We meet at Chapel Hills Church, located at 2025 Parliament Drive, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80920. You can find out about our service times and more about The Road by going to our website at theroad.org. That's theroad.org. Make sure you follow us on Facebook as well. That's facebook.com slash theroadcs. As always, we covet your prayers. Thanks again for tuning in today. And be sure to catch us again next time for another edition of The Road with Pastor Teacher Steve Holt.